Jesus fucking Christ. All right, let's go. That's in the intro. (laughs) Here we go. Brothers, sisters, siblings, welcome to Penn Sunday School. I'm Matt Dolly, filling in for Michael Goudeau, and we are recording virtually because people are still fucking idiots. Penn's going to talk to you about all kinds of stuff. I'll just let you guys know personally that I had to sleep in my guest bedroom, and that was the first time I wasn't the cause of that happening. All right, so here he is, preaching the love, Penn Gillette. <laughs> in the guest bedroom, and not uh, your fault. No. I had to sleep in my guest bedroom, not my fault. Wow. That's a banner day. A little gold star on your forehead. Uh, you'd think it would feel a lot better than it did. It did not. Mm, yeah. It still felt pretty shitty. I guess we should explain why we are virtual instead yeah. of in person. Yeah. So uh, without, my, without screaming about how much you hate some people. Yeah, exactly. That's fine. I'll, I'll lay off of that. I mean, the truth is that the Delta variant is real, and, and people who are vaccinated should be acknowledging that as well. So- uh, a breakthrough case at my wife's work made my wife a COVID exposure person, and um, boy, do we could we not figure out how to handle that? <laughs> it's really, it's really hard to figure out what that meant for what we were doing and our lives and how we were going to take care of our kids this week and stuff. It's it's extra high stakes. I'm supposed to go to uh back to Jersey to visit my dad this week. So, um, you know, we're taking rapid tests that are testing negative, but if we're exposed within 24 hours, it wouldn't show up anyway. So now you got to figure out whether it's enough of an exposure where it can build or collect or get to a contagious spot. And that could take three or four days or five days. So we're rapid testing every morning to figure out whether what we're, what we're doing here and wearing a mask in my own home. Boy, is that a weird, uh, it's awful. I feel like I'm talking to Dr. Fauci. <laughs> the, the information about this virus is so succinct and so clear. It's like you spent your life studying this. <laughs> but that, what you have is bad news. Really bad yeah. news. Really bad news. But I've got worse news. Oh, okay. A good friend of ours, so I guess I won't say his name, although you'll probably be able to guess. Good friend of mine who had um, COVID in March of 2020. Mm-hmm. He had COVID when it was cool. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he was the one that um, first week of March, when we were all reading the news, his wife came back from China. Mm-hmm. And his wife was coughing right as she walked in the door. And he said, are, are you joking? And she said, what do you mean? And he <laughs> said, you just got back from China and you're coughing and I've been reading the news. Are you playing a joke? She said, no, I just <clears throat> a little dry cough. Oh, no. He said, oh, oh okay. And uh, two days later, they were both sick with the COVID. Oof. Now. That was in March of 2020. Yeah. And uh, by March of 2021, his symptoms were not gone. Oh. He had long COVID. Long haul, yeah. And um, he still had brain fog. And this is one of the smartest people I know. So when he has brain fog, he's still smarter than you and me put together. Oh, sure. Well, sure. But also, because of that, the world needs that guy not to have brain fog. We need people yeah. like him to be able to think. Yeah. Brain fog, the two of us, we could handle. <laughs> yeah, the world would be okay. <laughs> people who have experience being stupid, good for brain fog. <laughs> it was a new experience for him. Yeah. He said, I, I can't hold like numbers in my head. I said, see what it feels like? <laughs> Uh, he also had, I think I've talked about this before, first bite syndrome. First bite? Yes. Yeah. Which means the first bite he takes of food is excruciatingly painful. Weird. Because of his saliva glands. 
Well, as though that weren't enough bad news, last month, he and his wife got it again. Oh, my God. Both double-vaxxed, both masked in public, both extremely careful. They called all their contacts. Everyone was healthy. He says, he reads all the scientific papers. He says, we don't know anything. We are, the variations are coming up so quickly. We don't know what's going on. So his first bite syndrome that had just started to abate is now back full. Oh. And he said this time his sickness that was bad was only three or four days. Okay. But his wife had it worse. This is crazy. This is and he crazy. said he's afraid he didn't catch it from anybody. He's afraid he's been holding it in his body this whole time. Oh, that's really scary. But he says he doesn't know. He's, he's double vaxxed, you know, the day he could do it. But he also lives in Texas, which right. we shouldn't say too condescendingly because we live in Vegas. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, we are. We are quite a petri dish at the moment. And, you know, you read the article that said the people bringing their children to the hospital and they say, we have to wait till another child dies before you can have the bed. Yeah. Fun times. Party time. It's a, yeah. So how much uh, intimate activity does your wife have with her partner? Well, because he gets Let's nervous. Let's stay on stage. Okay, Stop. yeah, yeah. Because before stage, they get nervous, and so they have a little ritual that they have to do <laughs> before they hit the stage. <laughs> um, it's that where they practice CPR at each other? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Except, um, yeah. Except they're, the, where the, the butt in the face. Never mind. Don't, who cares? <laughs> Insert punchline here. <laughs> yeah, she does, she does an act. And so they, they go on stage for four minutes. Four minutes. But I mean, a, isn't it like a balancing act? Yeah, yeah they're, they're definitely in each other's space. Yeah. They, 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 they're sharing air, for sure. They're sharing air for four minutes. And so, so we don't know. So don't know. her understudy is going on now? Yeah, and that's the thing, is that that show just has so many, so many people employed that can, that can rotate. Everybody who's been exposed is out, and then everybody's waiting seven days and testing all the time for it. A rapid test, and then saliva tests on Monday and Tuesday, and that kind of stuff. Oh, Lord Almighty. Lord, yeah. Lord, Lord. Uh, it's, just, uh, it's just crazy. Now, did you have stuff you want to talk about, about the uh, virus there, Reddy? I do. Lay it on us, daddy I have a whole page of notes. Oh, Jesus. Let me go back a page. Because normally we get together before we start the show and talk about things. Yeah. And we didn't have time to do that this week. Nope. So uh, I want to talk about an ad that we did recently mm -hmm. where you were talking about sound. And I think what you'd wanted to say was throwing the sound of dogs in the mix. Mm -hmm. But what you actually said was throwing dogs in the fire. <laughs> what? So the scene was outside camp camping. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is the sound of a fire, and you said throwing dogs in the fire. So um, that did not make it in last week's show, but it has now. <laughs> I thought that would not be a good uh, first ad for that particular company. Throwing <laughs> dogs in the fire. Nothing calms me more than the sound of throwing dogs in the fire. <laughs> I uh, I used to have a rather large um, record collection. And some people would give me records that they didn't want. Nat Hentoff. Do you know the name Nat Hentoff? Nope. He was the music critic for The Village Voice. He did one of the first longest in-depth interviews with Bob Dylan. He did a long interview with Lenny Bruce. Very important guy in the 60s, super intellectual, sophisticated guy who wrote like the Big Velvet Underground, um, uh, a lot of jazz stuff, and uh, wrote the liner notes, I think, on Dylan's first or second album. Nat Hentoff in New York was the music scene. I knew his daughter a little bit. She was a friend of a friend in the circus arts. and. Nat Hentoff had a bunch of records 
that he didn't want. Records too weird for Nat Hentoff. So his daughter gave them to me. And they included songs from the depths of hell. And songs from the depths of hell were uh, songs written at Nazi death camps and then recorded shortly after liberation. I mean, you cannot imagine anything more depressing. Songs from the depths of hell. He also gave me human speech after the removal of the larynx. And someone else gave me a art CD that was two hours of dogs being killed at a, um, at a shelter. So it was microphones in a shelter and two hours of dogs being killed one after the other, let in and killed. That was part of my audio collection. I want to tell you, you don't want to hear dogs thrown on the fire. You don't. <laughs> when I don't know if I needed that case to be made, but I okay. appreciate it. I was very- Hang on, hang on. <laughs> I have one more note to make here. <laughs> okay. I am a completist, so I did not want to have any record or CD in my collection that I hadn't listened to all the way through. So I listened to that full two hours. Oh. And I listened to human speech after the removal of the larynx. I listened to songs from the depths of hell. I don't think I am better for that. I think that I should have drawn the line of being a completist. <laughs> I also listened to, I have a record that I'm very proud of, uh, vinyl called um, uh, The Greatest Hits of Marcel Marceau. Mm -hmm. And one side is 17 minutes of silence with applause at the end. And the other side is 19 minutes of silence with applause at the end. <laughs> I listened to that as well. <laughs> and Lou Reed did an album called Metal Machine Music. Mm -hmm. And the liner notes by Andy Warhol, at the end of the liner notes that he writes about how brilliant the record is, he then says, I've never listened to it. <laughs> and Lou Reed had never listened to it. It's nothing but machines feeding back on each other. He just plugged stuff into things and let them go. And I used to listen to that while playing croquet. <laughs> During the time that I was crazy. Yeah. There was a time in Fullerton, California, when I was crazy. And during that time, I was nude all the time. And I was playing croquet often by myself. And I was trying to do a topiary self-portrait in a bush in my backyard. Amateur topiary. Amateur topiary done nude with metal machine music playing. There was no YouTube back then. There's no guide videos. There's no hack no. videos. In a suburban... You in a little suburban town in a cul-de-sac in my girlfriend's parents' house that we'd bought. You know, all this time, I'd felt like I was a more patient man than you. <laughs> yeah. But I drew the line at Creed's second album. Yeah. <laughs> my, uh, my patience can at times astonish even me. And my ability to follow through a badly thought-out idea is unparalleled. <laughs> <laughs> I can complete a task. You know what is it called? The Ulysses situation? Um, Ulysses, Ulysses promise, maybe? But there is, uh, this is a term for something where you make a deal with your that your future self cannot break. Oh, okay. It's usually done in- Ulysses contract. Ulysses contract. It's usually done in comedy movies where someone says, I'm going to go in that room. You don't let me out no matter what. They close right. the door. They say, let me out. Let me out now. Let me out now. <laughs> now I got to get out. Let me out now. I think uh, uh, Gene Wilder does a very funny scene of that. I think Monty Python also does. It's a, it's a, it's a minor trope 
in comedy. Yeah. But it comes from Ulysses um, wanting to hear the sirens uh, and tying him, having himself tied to the mast so he can't get away, so he can listen without damaging himself, without going to the sirens, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's the Ulysses contract. I am pathologically good at Ulysses contracts. <laughs> I can make myself a promise and stick to it when I should not have made that decision. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, and I've done that. Listening to every record in my multi-thousand album collection carefully, that was the other rule. Not background. Carefully. Uh. I sat in a chair with a Marcel Marceau playing. I sat in a chair, nothing else going on. Not reading, not looking around, sitting and focusing on two hours of dogs dying and being tortured. <laughs> uh. And then that was, that was fucked up for me very badly when I got on Warner Brothers VIP list. And they were sending me every CD they were putting out. Oh, wow. And I would sit and listen to everything. So you've never been a member of a record pool then? No. Yeah. How's a record pool work? They don't, they don't really have them anymore. But when the music industry was rocking, record labels would send records to DJs that they didn't know if they were good or not, just to find out what the DJ's opinions were. And they would decide based on that whether they were going to promote this record over that record. Uh-huh. And were you, were you part of one? Yeah, I was in a couple of them. And uh, at one point I had 40,000 records, 30,000 I had never heard. Uh -huh. They just come in faster than you could get to them. Yeah, that's what it happened with Warner Brothers. That was broke me. I had the same kind of rule as you. I wouldn't put it on unless I would listen to it all the way through. And that's not how record pool DJs work. Right. You listen to the first 15 seconds. <laughs> too slow. Too slow. Right. <laughs> Let's go. Don't like his voice. One, two, three. I've heard that before. <laughs> yeah, that's the way uh that's the way you're supposed to do it, I think. Come gather round children too nasally. <laughs> ba -ba -ba <-bum. laughs> I want to hear the whole orchestra. Uh, <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. But uh, I used to be more of a completist than I am now. I have to, you know, my good friend Tim Jennison of Tim's Vermeer. Yes. Rarely finishes a book. Rarely. And he reads all the time. He reads three or four hours a day. Rarely finishes a book. Rarely. Whoa. He goes through until he thinks he understands it. I'm I'm guilty of that with magic books. Mm -hmm. Not not that I think I understand, but like I literally hit a concept and go like, "Whoa! I just want to work on that one thing and put it down because that's enough for me to to work on stuff." But uh, you're reading different books than 150 tricks with a thumb tip, right? <laughs> there are other magic books besides 150 <laughs> tricks with a thumb tip. Whoa! I could. I could vanish a cigarette. Oh, I could vanish a penny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stay with this penny thing until I feel like I really got it down. Before I go back to the rest. <laughs> Wait, sugar too? <laughs> I got I to gotta work on that. Oh, salt. Um, <laughs> where do you get the book on trouble with? <laughs> But now I, uh, I try to not watch movies all the way through. Really? It takes willpower. Like I watched, um, I started to watch Gunpowder Milkshake. Mm-hmm. I thought this is kind of nice little fluffy thing. Yeah. I watched like 20 minutes and said, no, I'm not going to. Yeah, I, I, uh, with the new King Kong movie, that took, it took very little effort not to watch the whole thing. Well, I was with my son, so I had to watch the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. King Kong versus Godzilla. Yeah. But I just watched uh, with my children. We went to the movie theater, which probably now I wouldn't do. Yeah. 
But there was nobody in the theater. Yeah. We were masked up and stuff. And we went and saw Free Guy. Uh-huh. Ryan, Ryan Reynolds is crazy good. Yes. I mean, yeah, like, yeah. unbelievably good. Yeah. And he's with uh, Jodie Comer, who's uh, Killing Eve. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who I, I, I couldn't remember who she was, so I thought she was a friend of mine. I said, I know, I know this person. I know that little quirky smile. I know her. I know her. And then my wife said, you idiot. She's in Killing Eve. You don't know her. <laughs> uh, is she good in it, Jodie Comer? Crazy good. Yeah. It is a wonderful movie. Yeah. It is Truman Show, right? It's just Truman yeah. Show. Yeah. And it's, um, it's also The Matrix. It's just those two movies. But I think better than both of them. And pure, pure existentialist philosophy. I mean, Jean-Paul Sartre could have written this movie. Wow. It's perfect. I mean, Camus, a little more into his bum-out thing. But Sartre probably could have written it. All right. Simone de Beauvoir would have put more sex into it. <laughs> but there is some sex. And uh, it's, um, I just love, Ryan Reynolds, I just don't think could be better. Is there anybody that you love more on screen than Ryan Reynolds? I don't know. I, I'm a big Robert Downey Jr. guy. Isn't it about finding your pocket and convincing the uh, studios that it makes money? Isn't that Ryan Reynolds' story? You know, beating your head against the wall until you finally have something that shows what it is that you do, and then they right. give you permission to do it for the rest of your career? Yeah, he was, because uh, I guess the Green Hornet movie, he was not good, right? It wasn't Green Lantern, right? Yeah, yeah. Green Lantern. Yeah, yeah well, that's the thing. He was a romantic comedy, a romantic movie guy, and he really wanted to be funnier and tried to break out and couldn't for a while. And then he did, um, what's it called? The Deadpool. 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 And Deadpool changed everything for him. And didn't, in the Deadpool comic, Deadpool say, I think Ryan Reynolds should play me in the movie? Oh, is that true? <laughs> I think so, yeah. Oh, that might be true. And that's, that's kind of where it started. Ryan Reynolds said, okay, I'll play him. And then he went really, I mean, he, he went above and beyond. Like, he was doing all kinds of shorts and all kinds of different um, like social media material in character and that kind of stuff to really, he really ran with it. Um, and you absolutely good. believe that he's the guy you see. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. More than, more than anybody else. You just believe, I mean, it may not be true. He may right. be just, uh, but you really believe, I guess that's what acting is. <laughs> I just, <laughs> <laughs> It's just, it's like, I don't think he wrote the words he's saying, yet he says them, and I believe it's coming out of his brain. Yeah. See, that's the, <laughs> that's the thing. When somebody is a really bad actor, they are very confused by that. Because when I'm acting, there's just no difference at all. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it amazes me. You know, when I did, um, the first time I realized that I didn't understand acting. Yeah. I was in New York. I was very young. I was probably 20. And I had a girlfriend who was a fairly, you know, starting out actor. Yeah. And she had glorious, beautiful red hair. So she was mostly doing hair commercials. Yeah. You know? And she's one of the first people that I realized that certain people overhear what people say about them, like really fat people hear that because we'd walk into a restaurant. And you'd hear like three people say, oh, that's dyed. Oh, my God. <laughs> Her hair was not dyed, and they would just say that, which also bothered me because she was on a Clairol box for hair color. Yeah. And it, that's the way it grew out of her head. What are they selling? Inside her head? <laughs> Good point. That's not fair. But she was working on this very serious script, right? Yeah. And she had to memorize it for a play she was doing. So I volunteered to read the other part for her, right? Yeah. So we're reading the part. I would read my lines. She would read hers. And she then had this long, long paragraph. So I took my eyes off the page. Why wouldn't you? And just kind of, I wish I could say I was watching her act. But I wasn't. I was daydreaming. 
<laughs> while she was acting her ass off. Now, she was off book. I was not because I wasn't learning it. And she pauses and she turns to me and goes, you aren't even listening to me anymore, are you? <laughs> and I went, I'm, no, I, I was just, you know, I was waiting for the next, the next line. To, and she said, what are you doing? I said, what do you mean? She said, I was working on this and you just interrupted me. I said, you just said I wasn't listening to you. She said, that's a line. <laughs> I said, oh, but you said it like you meant it. <laughs> <laughs> and then she explained to me she was trying to say it like she meant it. And I said, but it scared me. <laughs> and I did one screen test with Robert De Niro, right? Yeah. And again, we're reading along. And I thought I was doing really well. Right. Because I was getting all the words right in every order. You know? <laughs> I was just doing fine. And he was kind of reading half-assed. And then there was a scene where I, it was a movie about blacklisting, and I'd sold him out to the Committee on Un-American Activities. And De Niro, two feet from me, I mean, not as close as your wife and her partner in absence, but <laughs> close. He started yelling at me and crying. Okay? Yeah. This is my screen test. <laughs> I'm supposed to be reacting to De Niro yelling at me and heartbroken that I've sold him out. And I went, oh, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> was my reaction in the screen test. Camera set up. Director, right? I'm in like final callback. Director, producer, everybody watching me. I'm with De Niro. We're under the lights. We're doing the scene. He starts doing this. I don't know. How could you do this? How could you? Right? <laughs> and I'm going, whoa, whoa, whoa. Jeez. That's amazing. Look at that. <laughs> I'm not good with the concept of acting. I'm just not good with it. Well, we'll you, know? see. You, have a, you have a movie coming out. We'll see you. We'll see you. We'll, we'll see you show your chops. You, you sure will. <laughs> you will see me show my chops. There's no doubt about it. You will see me. But I'm playing a guy just like me who is, it's even better, reciting lines. Right. I'm at a wedding ceremony. So I'm <laughs> reciting lines. I'm, I'm acting like a guy like me reciting lines. Perfect role for me. Perfect. 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 It's like when people say, I can't imagine being anything but an actor. And you say, that must make it impossible to be an actor. <laughs> Okay, ready. We got through one line of your notes. Okay. What's your next line? Should I do? I should probably do uh, some ads in the meantime, yes. shouldn't I? I will do that. I've always had trouble with uh, furniture, right? Mm -hmm. Like now, everything that I have in my house is bought by someone else. My wife, occasionally my mother-in-law, once in a while my children. Right. I haven't bought anything. I'm not good at it. And this is something that can help you be good at it. Your home should show off what makes you you. Now, Joybird has a selection of customizable furniture and modern home decor that lets you bring your unique style into your space. Joybird offers modern, customizable furniture for every space available in a variety of vibrant, durable fabric options. And with summer winding down, Joybird has all the modern outdoor furniture and accessories you need to make the most of your patio hangs. So I am not good at buying things, which is why we have these sponsors that make it really, really easy to buy stuff that you really, really want to have. I like having furniture. I like having good furniture and just going 
to a store is difficult for me. So they have over 18,000 customizable options. You can browse curated collections, find the perfect piece for your one-of-a-kind style. Book a virtual showroom appointment to chat with a showroom stylist from the comfort of your own home. From rich, buttery leathers to the softest velvets, you're sure to find the fabric and texture that's right for you. You can even order a free fabric swatch kit to feel fabrics before you buy. See, this is the way to do furniture. This Even I could do this. Unsure where you want to start? Jo- uh, Joybird's design specialists are standing by to make your vision a reality for free. With Joybird's production plan, your upholstery and leather pieces will always look as good as new without having to treat them like you're in a museum. This is really good. Financing rates as low as 0% APR for up to 36 months. You can relax now and pay later. Each piece made with incredible care, using responsibly sourced material free from harmful chemicals. Through partnerships with groups groups like One Tree Planted, Joybird is helping conserve and restore Earth's most precious natural resources. Quality craftsmanship, scratch and stain resistant fabrics, and limited lifetime warranty. Joybird furniture can handle anything your family throws at it, literally. Joybird stands by its quality and craftsmanship. If it's not everything you hope for, just send it back. Create a space that brings you joy with Joybird. Visit joybird.com slash pen and get 30% off, 30% off, 30% off your purchase. That's 30% off at joybird.com slash pen. Pen. J-O-Y-B-I-R-D dot com slash P-E-N-N. There you go. This is going to be really good for me because I have a Ulysses contract about trying out furniture at the furniture store. (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) Okay. Hey, we're back. Making new memories in a new world. I found the best place to hold on to those memories by turning them into art that lasts forever from paintyourlife.com. Now you can get out, travel, and take vacations. We're going to celebrate some of your favorite times by turning your new memories into art. When I heard about paintyourlife.com, I thought, what a great idea for a gift, birthdays, anniversaries, weddings. But you'd think it'd be too expensive, right? I mean, how much does it cost to get a real painting done of you? A zillion, billion, kajillion dollars, right? No, no, no. No. They get professional, hand-painted portraits created from any photo at a truly affordable price. Or combine photos of people or places you love into one painting. You don't even have to have the exact painting you want. You can put it together. Choose from a team of world-class artists and work with them until every detail is perfect. It's fast. You can receive your portrait in as little as two weeks. I got to tell you, having a real painting in your home is a really great thing. It's a really, really, really good thing. Oh, yeah. At paintyourlife.com, there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded. Guaranteed. And right now, as a limited offer, get 20% off your painting. That's right. 20% off and free shipping. To get this special office, text the word PEN to 64,000. That's Pen. Pen. To 64,000. 64,000. 64-000. Text pen to 64,000. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Terms apply. Available at paintyourlife.com slash terms. Again, text pen. Pen. To 64,000. It's a really good thing. Have a nice painting in your house. It's a good thing to do. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Okay, ready. What else you got in your notes? So, friend of the show, Sam Harris. Oh, yeah, yeah. A couple of weeks ago, put out a podcast trying to appeal to the vaccine hesitant. Uh-huh. And laying out, he brought on a doctor, laid out all the medical facts. Mm-hmm. 
And we kind of know how that goes, right? Mm-hmm. We've all read Blink. Yep. Mm-hmm. We've all read Thinking Fast and Slow. Mm-hmm. We know the Stanford suicide study mm-hmm. and the confirmation bias studies. Yep. And the studies that say the more you attack people with facts, the deeper down into their hole they're going to go. Mm-hmm. Right. And we also know that if <laughs> you talk like <laughs> Sam Harris, people stop giving a fuck usually before you say the verb. (laughs) On a side note, he had Henry Gracie on a recent episode who is a pitch man for Gracie Uh (laughs) Jiu-Jitsu. And the, the most upbeat person you'll ever meet in your entire life. It was quite a contrast to listen to that show. Yeah, if you listen... If you listen to Sam Harris at double speed on his podcast, Sam Harris sounds like this. <laughs> <laughs> and we also know the same thing about mandates, right? That like everyone says they won't get it, and then the mandates come to their workplace and they do get it. Well, you're drawing a distinction there. The mandates are government, and what your employer does is capitalism. Oh, right. I mean, then what is it called when the, when the company says you have company policy? Capitalism. That's capitalism. So, so we know that capitalism works. That's yeah. freedom. Yeah, that's complete freedom. And the weird thing is, these anti-government people are saying the government should stop companies from saying they don't want unvaccinated people on their property. It is insane. It is the most through-the-looking-glass view of political freedom you can ever have. Yeah. It's my freedom to get you sick. This is what I'm getting at. We know that people make their decisions and then look for the reasons to support those decisions, even before they know that they're doing it. Right. Right. We all do it. Mm -hmm. I'm doing it right now. Yeah. It's the reason why we have to have the scientific method to find objective truth. Mm -hmm. And even then, we still fuck it up. Mm -hmm. So I think we have to give those people at least a level of empathy knowing that's what we have built into us. There is no doubt that I feel that and do that all the time. I've spoken about the fact that even when I stand up to get out of bed, I know (laughs) that I'm faking that decision. Right. I know this weird, invisible part of me decided to stand up, and I went, okay, I want to do that anyway. Our whole life is watching a dog that is not trained, watching what it does, and yelling out commands as it does it. That's what life is. So, of course, Sam gets, he doesn't get what he's wanting. He doesn't get the vaccine hesitant. He gets the vaccine intolerant. And those are the people that respond to the show. And then he has to talk about that in his next podcast and throws his hands up in the air. Well, see, he is trying to (laughs) fill up his podcast time. And he has trouble. Whereas I do not, because I can talk about pigeons for seven hours. I don't need, I don't need any outside influence whatsoever. Sam needs someone yelling at him so he can come back and appear to be sane. That's Sam's technique, right? <laughs> Sam sends out his vibe into the world yeah. to find people crazier than him. So he sounds sane. So Sam Harris can go, oh, well, you see, I do LSD, right? He has to find (laughs) someone crazier so that that answer sounds like the sane answer. (laughs) I, I sit in a silent retreat for three weeks. I say nothing, and I take a lot of acid (laughs) (laughs) but uh what i'm getting at here is that we've also expressed contempt for the vaccine intolerant on the show some of us are still feeling it right now even though you're telling me (laughs) to, to, to have sympathy and i think there's a real danger there in that we're in that process we are converting people who are on the edge between hesitant and intolerant 
we know from these studies that we're pushing some of those people from hesitancy into intolerance. And we should stop doing that. We also know from the studies, and this is something uh, you are now, this is something that makes me crazy. Our job is not to manipulate other people. Mm -hmm. Our job is not to say we are the holy ones and these are the sheep and this is the way we manipulate them. What our job is, is to tell the truth as we see it and hope that they do the same. Our job is not manipulation. Our job is interaction. So if you're saying we should treat all other people with compassion, love, and dignity, I am with you 100%. Mm -hmm. If you say we should deal with them with honesty, I'm with you 100%. If you say this is the way to change their minds by doing something we don't sincerely feel, then I am disagreeing with you. That's not what I'm saying. Well, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. If my goal is to solve the problem of COVID, the way that I'm going to attack that is to reach out to neither one of these two groups. I want to reach out to the, the vaccine invisible. Yeah, the vaccine invisible. Yeah. The people who don't have access to it or the people who don't even know the information at all because yeah. they, they, live, they don't watch the news, they live in communities that aren't talking about it the same way that we can. That's the first angle of attack. That's, that's the group that I want to appeal to. Right. And I still want to talk about my truth, but I don't want to, I don't want to convert people the other way in doing it. Right. But I mean, we have everybody we work with is vaccinated. Yeah. When we did, and I'm, I'm going to talk about this. When we did fool us, we wanted to have everybody vaccinated. And we were told by some of the unions, we could not insist on that. Mm -hmm. And that is a real problem because I believe if the government gets out of the way, there is not going to be many corporations that are going to say, we want unvaccinated people running around our, our office building. Right. Right. And the vaccine resistant all get fixed by that. And we yep. don't even have to talk to them. You're right. But I mean, I mean, Disney, all these people are going to say, we don't, we don't want your fucking virulent typhoid Mary bullshit asses running around our office. Right. Maybe not in those words. <laughs> oh, we don't want that, Mickey Mouse says. <laughs> now, I, uh, as a coach of the show, I, I know this, the download numbers of the show. And then as a coach of the show, I, I started my own comedy podcast as a spinoff of this called Matt and Madden's Ice Cream Social. And mm -hmm. I know those download numbers. So I know how much I matter to this audience, and it's very little. So I <laughs> reserve the right to still hate people who think because they do yoga, they're genetically superior to anything that they would, left alone, they could live till 300 years old out in the woods and therefore don't need to get vaccinated. I reserve the right to still keep anger at them, knowing that my opinion matters very little to everyone listening to this podcast. But I will also add in there... If they want to live in the woods, God bless them. <laughs> if you don't want to take the vaccine and you want to live, oh, I don't know, in the woods or even better, inside a closed refrigerator, I'm all for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I hear it's, it is a battle. It's about, I mean, like, you know, I was like raking my brain how to turn my anger into something not angry, right? And I wrote a thank you post. I wrote a thank you post to everyone who got vaccinated, saying we're focusing so much on the unvaccinated. If you got your vaccine, thank you so much. And that post went, you know, viral for me, right? On all my little social medias and got a lot of response. And if anything, by the tail end of its life as a, as a, as a social media blip, it created infighting amongst the vaccinated, <laughs> which was really funny. <laughs> really funny to watch in terms of people discussing exactly what you're talking about, Ready? Everyone talks about either their heart versus tactics and that we're still trying to move the needle on tactics. I, I, don't, like, I don't like tactics, except when you say we need to vote to make sure that governors can't say... <laughs> That you can't do a mass mandate. I mean, that's, that's, 
I mean, I'm telling you, this has been true now for always. Yeah. That, you know, as Neil Gaiman said, real world can be so much weirder than fiction because the real world doesn't have to make sense. Right. You know, it is incredible. None of the stuff that's happening now, if I read in a book, I would buy it all. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's some crazy fucking governor that's saying that the schools can't have mass mandates even if they want them. Yeah, that vaccinated leaders will tell people not to get vaccinated, and the people will know that the person telling them is vaccinated, and they'll still believe the words about not getting vaccinated. That's that you can't write that in a book. You can't put no, that in you a could, screenplay. You couldn't. You couldn't. And I couldn't have predicted it. Like I said, I've met Tucker Carlson. Yeah, I've been in his show. Good guy, easy to talk to, really, really pleasant. What the fuck happened? <laughs> I, I know, I know, and it's it's a it's it's weird. It's a hard it's a hard thing. I mean, it's really hard for me to imagine. I guess I can, but yeah, I guess I can imagine that there is an amount of fame and money on one side, yeah. with an amount of fear of failure on the other, that I could convince myself that I be- I I cannot accept. And people think I'm stupid for this, and people are right. (laughs) (laughs) I am not able to say that someone says something contrary to what they believe. I must believe that they have found a way to believe the crazy shit they're saying. Uh And I even had trouble doing that with Trump, who I I knew personally. And watched him lie his fucking ass off. Yeah. I watched that happen. And still, I can't believe it. Because when I'm saying stuff, I'll give you this promise. When I'm saying stuff that's stupid and wrong and dangerous, I believe it. (laughs) (laughs) Even as I know it's stupid, wrong, and dangerous, I still believe it. And I think, like, it's really the character trait that's hardest to address is something that like I think Penn you've had an influence on me on and so many listeners on which is I think like by being a public figure you generally are open to being corrected by facts and will I try to be yeah I don't yeah. like it I don't like it right none of us do though none of us do. <laughs> but we're seeing like a fear of changing our minds we're seeing a fear of backpedaling right or like when yeah. I, you know, when I work with improv exercises with corporate clients, right? The first thing you have to do when someone is irate and yelling at you, they will not change their mind at a peak emotional level. You, the, you cannot move, negotiate the situation at all until the emotions are down, right? But have you ever had the willpower to do that? Because <laughs> I have like two or three times in my life yeah. had the willpower to do that, and it is the most wicked funny thing that is ever going to happen. <laughs> Listen, did. you stupid motherfucker. Let me tell you right now that you, oh, you're right. I did the same thing. I was driving and there was a construction <laughs> happening and I thought I was being directed into the lane I was supposed to go into and I misunderstood and started driving right where the construction was happening. And then three construction workers started yelling at me. And I went to gesture angrily, like, no, I'm going to where you went to. And I looked and saw his construction. And I said, I'm very sorry. I misunderstood everything you were saying. I am not good <laughs> at listening to what you were trying to get me to do. And I am sorry. And they had no fucking idea what to do. They're, they maintained their angry body language and stood silent. <laughs> but that's why the first person I-, I thought of after that happened was you. The first thing <laughs> I thought of after I drove away is I was like, Penn would like what just happened. I love it. What I also want is, and I haven't found it yet, is I want a hand signal that means fuck me. (laughs) I'm the idiot. I'm the fucking idiot here. That would change driving forever. I cut someone (laughs) off in traffic, yeah, and they flip me the finger. Fuck you, you idiot. And I tried to do a gesture that meant, yes, I'm the idiot. But it seemed like I was mocking them. Right. You know, there needs to be a finger that you hold up that says, yep, 
fuck me. I'm the idiot. I was wrong. Jesus Christ. What, what the hell is wrong with me? On top of that, I don't have an excuse. Maybe you could hold up your little finger like this. Yeah. Yeah. With a big smile. Yeah. My bad. That's, that's on me. That's me, needle dick motherfucker, idiot. <laughs> this means I'm a needle dick. You just did fuck you with your big finger. I'm doing my little finger. I am rolling over and exposing my neck. I am completely submissive. <laughs> you have won this stage. Sorry. Sorry. That's me. Loser. Loser. We may not get a single vaccine-hesitant person vaccinated on this podcast, but we just changed the world for the better right now. We just made the world a better place. <laughs> we need that was Ben Sunday School. That was Ben Sunday School. Cha-cha-cha. You become naked. Listen, you stupid motherfucker, can't you see that I'm, that I'm completely wrong, and you're right? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know, when, when you do that, people can't win enough. When you say you're oh, right, yes. they go, oh yes, I am right, and I'll tell you why. And you go, I think I know the reasons. <laughs> I know the reasons because that's why I said you're right. And you know we love you. And Matt Donald, do you have some people to thank? I do. Valuable members like Jacob McCulley, Kelsey Johnson, Nicole Martin, Matthew Rausch, Crazy Cat Lady Scoop, Nick Hemsing, Brian and Michelle Laddle, Music Man, Larry, XGD Falcon, Latouf, Jamie Thrasher, Rachel Hawkins, Mark Smith, Jake Schneider, Pete Hoke, Mark Hauser, Doug Hirschberger, Jeremy Davidson, Robin Garnett, Ovi Dimitrian Jr., Jeremy R22, Winter Wiakowski, Allison Sage, Kristen Kladek, and Michael Cohen. Thank you guys so much.